Father, that's our longing. We know you are present, but we, we come longing to engage you and to experience you and to be open to you and whatever you have for us this morning, whether it's in word or song or other things. So um, if you want to speak today, if there's something you have even through the message, I pray that our hearts would be open and we would hear. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. A couple things. Jason, thanks a couple weeks ago for, for, uh, for doing the teaching that day. You did a really great job. I appreciate a lot of what you said. Got to reemphasize a few things last week. I especially liked your mountain lion illustration. That was really powerful. You came with that by yourself? Was that, was that from the family or from you? Because... All the good stuff I get comes from my family, which you'll see today. Uh, the good points today are all from my wife and children as we talked about this sermon. Um, but I really like that. And if you guys weren't here a couple of weeks ago, we've been talking about prayer and we're continuing that. The idea of the boiler room, of how important prayer is to the life of our body. Um, I'm going to come back to you in just a second. But that boiler room, just this week I heard somebody, a pastor online, talking about Spurgeon, and people would come visit his church in London. It kind of became a tourist attraction. I heard it was like the first church that became that way. It was so popular. Um, but when people would come, they would all want to see the big, what do you call it, sanctuary is what they were coming to look at or to meet him. And he would, if groups would come, he would say, this isn't what our church is. And he would take them downstairs. They had about 3,000 um, a service or a week, I think. I'm trying to remember, about 3,000 a week probably. He would take them downstairs and he'd say, let me show you what this church is really about. And there was a room underneath the sanctuary where 300 people would pray every week during the service. And he said, this is the boiler room. This is what gives power to everything that we do. And so we are just striving and longing for us to be, for, I'm striving for me, for us to become a people of greater prayer. And so I appreciate it. He talked about persevering in prayer. And I've been saying all along, I've never felt great at it. I always feel like it's one of the hardest disciplines for me. And Jason came along and rightly said, that can almost become, and not that you were blaming me, but, but actually it's true, you know, that it could become an excuse like, oh yeah, well, so you just don't try if it's so hard. Or if, if, if the pastor guys can't do it, then why should I even try or something? And he made the point that if you're at the zoo, at the mountain lion exhibit, and you notice the gate is open... You don't have to be an expert at gate closing to shut the gate, right? You just shut the gate. You do what has to be done. So I really appreciated that. That was really good. So thanks to you. Uh, this was a big week at the church, especially for those of, those of us in the office. Susan officially retired, had her last day of official work this last Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday. There she is in her famous uh, location in the office with all of her stuff. Um, so 29 years she has served in that role here at the church almost the whole time I've been here. I came in 90. She started that job in 91. So she's been the constant for me in the office building for, for a long time and so has offered very valuable service to the church. Volunteered for four years before that. I believe it was four years. So anyways, if you see Susan, give her congratulations. She's still going to do some consulting, come in and help Don with some other things. So She's not totally out of the office. Uh, in fact, I think the day after she was, was her last day, I went by the office, I saw the light was on, I thought Don was going to be in there, and Don wasn't. Susan was in there, and I said, well, Don, you look just like Susan looked like. Uh, so, 
she's, uh, she's a hard worker and will continue blessing us that way. And just want to say something too about the leadership summit that Jordan mentioned. The staff and church people have been going for a long time, sometimes around 50 people, I believe. There have been some years to Wichita. And um, I've gone for a long time, and there's a lot of value to it. I find a lot of value. I think the fact that it was two days in Wichita made it hard for some people. And since they're not having it in Wichita, and they gave us permission to do it here online in this space right here for those two days, I think that gives some people in Emporia the opportunity maybe who couldn't get away to do that. So August 6th and 7th is when it'll be here. The, you can get in for 99 by July 15th, like Jordan said. But if you haven't tried it, you've heard a little bit about it, I encourage you to, to give it a shot, even if you can come for a day or part of the time. I know it'll be us. Victory Fellowship is unable to get good connectivity where they're at, and so they're going to be a part of this group, so it'll be another church, some other, other church people who will be in here. So I encourage you to give it a try if you've never done it. So, all right, so with our series on prayer in the boiler room, um, two main questions I always get from people about prayer, and as a human being, two questions I have about prayer. The first one is, is prayer really effective? Do my prayers make a difference? I think everybody asks that question at one point or another. Um, Maybe you'll go through a string of what you feel like are unanswered prayers, and you're like, is it even worth it? Does anything happen? Does it change anything? I think we all have that question. That's for another time. The other question I get a lot is, it seems that God does not always answer my prayers. Why is that? seems like a lot of them just, I never get an answer. Never get an answer. And that can be frustrating. And that's really what I want to talk about today is, does God leave some of my prayers unanswered? Like unanswered text messages or a phone call that never gets returned. Do they just go up there and just die and he doesn't even give it much thought or anything? And I want to argue that, uh, that actually he answers every prayer. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, first, I would like you, I just want to do a quick summary from last week because it leads into this week. So if you turn to Matthew 7, that's where we were last year. If you have your Bible open to Matthew 7, if you have your phone, um, you can get on new version to Matthew 7. I'm reading out of the NIV. Matthew chapter 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is continuing his speaking. Why don't you, would you stand with me while I read Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11? Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek, find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. So, what I talked about last week is is God's desire for us to ask. Jesus is clear. He says, ask, seek, and knock. And I'm not going to go over that again if you're really curious. I think those three words all have significance and that there's We talked about asking prayer, seeking prayer, and knocking prayer, and that there are three different types of prayer. But just the fact that he says, ask and seek and knock, because if you ask, um, 
You will receive to those who seek. They will find to those who knock, the door will be open. So it is his longing for us to bring our desires and our requests to him. That's his desire. And he longs to answer those things. He longs to give us good gifts. Um, But as I said last week, and to me, that's why verses 9, 10, and 11 are so important. Because it puts it in a really important context for me. When he says, in your asking, in your seeking, in your knocking, I want you to know this. That if a son asks for bread, the dad's not going to give him a stone. And he ends up saying that you, though you were evil, and that's kind of tough to hear, but I know the reality of my heart, so I'll take that. It's, he's like, Garen, as, as dark as you are, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, do you think I, who have not a single shred of darkness in me, can give good gifts? And that's, that, that to me gives me the context for all of this. Um, because God is a father, he is a parent, he, wants to be, he longs to be generous and to give us gifts, but the key to me is, well, like I said last week, the key to me is really understanding this whole parenting thing, that a father or any parent, number one, parents love to give, right? We love to give, and we love to be asked, and God is like that. He longs to give. He wants you to ask, to seek, and to knock. But I also know from this text that he gives, what kind of gifts does he give? The word is used twice. It's really important. What kind of gifts does he give? Good gifts. He gives good gifts, and that's important. And I, as a parent, understand that because I want to give. I want to be generous. I enjoy the smile brought on my children's faces. But the thing that guides my giving is that the gifts I give, I want them to be good gifts. And not everything you give a child or give a person is good. Is that not right? So as a parent, my deepest desire is for the longing of my children. So this isn't just this carte blanche, hey, God will give you everything you ask for. Um, I know that, again, early in the Sermon on the Mount, he says when we pray, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So that gives us context for this. It's just not whatever you ask, you automatically get. But this idea of God being a father and that fathers give good gifts, and they long for their children to flourish. That also helps me to understand that it just doesn't mean everything I want, I will get. So then if I came back, uh, so let me hit really quick, because last week I talked about the ice cream man, and I want to talk a little bit more about the ice cream man. I feel bad for him. Two weeks in a row I'm talking about that guy. Um, And if you weren't here last week, then to me this is significant, because in the scripture, God is not Santa Claus. He's not the Easter Bunny. He's not the genie from Aladdin. Or the person my family knew really well who was a real human being was the ice cream man. That God is not the ice cream man. When we lived on Congress, you could hear that guy coming for blocks away because he had the music and he had it blaring loud and every child in the neighborhood heard what my children heard, which was that guy. And so they'd be getting money from their allowance jar, from their parents, and they'd run out to the street. He would always stop in front of our house for some reason. Uh... But there were kids from other houses that would come there. And here's how, here's how the ice cream man operated. As long as you had money, a quarter or whatever, quarter, I'm probably dating myself, as long as you had money, whenever you asked for something, if my kids went out there with the money and they said, would you give me that, guess what he said every time? Yes. Never heard him say no. Never heard him say no to a child. Every time, his answer was yes, 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 because he didn't have to pay for the dental bills that the parents had to pay for, right? So he was happy to sell as much ice cream as he wanted, and from that experience, um, 
we ended up having a conversation with our kids and talked about that God is not the ice cream man because the ice cream man always says yes and mom and dad don't always say yes. Sometimes they say no, which my kids were like, yep, you definitely are not the ice cream man, dad. Um, yeah, so the ice cream man always says yes, but a parent doesn't always say yes because I, a parent cares more deeply for their children's well-being than the ice cream man does. And God is the same way. He is not the ice cream man. So, but here's what I want to say to that question. Does God leave some of my prayers unanswered? I would say that God answers every prayer, every prayer. He just answers them. There's four different answers that he gives, and not all of those are the answer I want to hear, and maybe that's why I think prayers go unanswered or unheard because I'm not always getting a yes. And so I need to remind myself as a parent that I serve a good, good father who just as I had four answers to my children's requests, he has four answers for mine. So that's what we're going to do. Um, as a good parent, my answers to my children were usually yes, or the one they didn't want to hear, no, or wait, or I'm going to give you this other one, lady. I'm going to make you wait on that one. I thought if I'm saying wait, I might as well make you wait. Uh, to, on that one. But I feel that God is our good Father, does the same thing. He who gives good gifts has the same four answers to our prayers. And I find evidence for these in the Bible. So I want to hit, hit these four answers to prayer. So the first one is yes. Whereas a parent, my children would ask me for something, and so frequently I would just say, yes, I would love to give that to you. And again, as parents, we love to give good things to our children. I loved being generous. I love granting requests. Um, if they asked for something and there was goodness in it, much more often than not, you know, I would say yes. If, you know, if, you don't have a, if there's a reason not to, but if they'd say, hey, can we have a friend over? Most of the time, unless we had a schedule issue, I would say yes, because being in community, hanging out with friends, that's all good things. And any good parent longs to meet their children's legitimate needs, right? We long to meet their legitimate needs. Not just their legitimate needs, but we long to meet their desires. There are things they want that you're like, you know what? That's not long-term. That's not the best thing for them, maybe. Uh, but will an occasional ice cream kill a kid? Especially if dad gets one, too. No. So, right? Sometimes, don't you just love to give things to your children? Even if you're like, you know, long-term, there's maybe no huge benefit to that, but just the joy of saying yes to a child, and that's how I was frequently. Ice cream, you're going to see, is a big theme in my... You're going to hear two big themes today, ice cream and books, two things that our family loves. My dad was like this ice cream magnet guy. I don't know. Anytime we would travel anywhere out of town, if there was a Brahms ice cream in a city we went through, he smelled it. And that was before, there was no internet back then. And how he knew it, I don't know. But we would always make our, not, not a Brahms, Baskin Robbins. We would always find, if there was a Baskin Robbins, we would find it. And that became a tradition in my family, one that I happily pass on to our family. I thankfully have, the, have a phone that can help me find a Baskin Robbins or a Brahms or, or um, whatever. Emma, your graduation photo, you're holding an ice cream cone, right? Yeah, I love that because you guys, your family went to San Antonio a couple weeks ago. And when your dad told me he was going, I said, I know a great ice cream place. It's right on the Riverwalk. And I told him where it was. And he sent me a picture. You guys found it. So that's what good dads do, right? Occasionally give, give ice cream. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from God, who is the Father 
of heavenly lights. So every good gift comes from him. And scripture's full of God's yes prayers. Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20, Daniel in Daniel 10, Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, two blind men who asked Jesus in Matthew 20. We could, and if I were to give another word to yes prayers, so the first kind of prayer, the first answer God gives to my prayers, because he answers every prayer, is yes. Or if I gave it another word, because I've got to do something a little more memorable than yes, no, wait, and the other word I'm going to give you. So I've got to throw out this kind of word. So we're going to say go, that that's another word. God, many times with my prayer, says go. I'm, 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 I want to give that to you. But as we all know, because a lot of good parent, a good parent says go, but sometimes a good parent also says no, right? I wish I could show you, I've got a comic, it's Baby Blues, and nobody in first service helped me. I forgot, what, what's the girl's name in Baby Blues, the oldest? You might remember. Huh? Zoe, right. Thank you, Charles. Zoe, because I read this, this started about the time Carissa was born, and it so followed our family like it was great. But here's Zoe, and here's what she says to her mom. What can I have for a snack? And mom says, there are apples and bananas in the fruit bowl and some frozen berries in the freezer. So Zoe goes and looks at the fruit bowl with a very mournful look, and then Zoe says, that was kind of a health-oriented answer to a sugar-oriented question. Okay. How many times do we ask for something, and it's a sugar-oriented question? As James 4 says, that we ask uh, for things that he says we won't receive because we ask with wrong motives, so we can just spend it on our own pleasure. So how, how often do we ask for, even as adults with God, we ask for sugar things, and God says no because he has something that's a lot uh, healthier. I think I mentioned this in second service last week, so if I did, I apologize. But it's still one of my great memories, and a lot of my great memories of my children involve ice cream. After supper one night, we had ice cream, and we were sitting there, and Carissa, she was three or four, and she said, Dad, I've got a great idea. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, you know how tonight we're having ice cream after supper? And I said, yeah. She says, I've got a really, really good idea. She says, how about from now on? For breakfast, lunch, and supper, just every day, just ice cream, nothing else. Ice cream for breakfast, ice cream for lunch, ice cream for supper, forget all that other food. We'll just do ice cream, different flavors each meal. And I thought about it a minute, and I said, in a very kind way, I said basically, (laughs) no, I don't think so, because that's not good for your health. And being a three- or four-year-old, like any child, she totally understood my no, and so she responded, but I thought you loved me. don't you love me? You said no. Um, You know, the normal response. The thing that we say, I think, so often to God. That, again, like a good parent, he he will say no to some of our requests because he knows that long-term it is not good for us. Uh, That famous spiritual sage, Garth Brooks, said so much in his song, Unanswered Prayers, where he sang, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Even Garth Brooks knows that. So, sometimes God's answer our prayer is simply a no. And I, with my family, I, I had, we were actually having a conversation by text, and I'm like, you know, what are the different reasons God might say no? And we came up with a pretty long list. And if, I'd love to ask you and get some feedback, but with the online thing, it's, not, it's harder to do that now. 
Um, but there were just a couple of things. We thought about James 4.3, that a lot of times our requests are very selfish, and we're simply wanting something to satisfy an inner desire that's not good for us. Um, we also talked about maybe sometimes people are praying two opposite things. I'm praying for, rain, for no rain on my picnic Saturday, and a hundred farmers in the region are praying for rain for their crops, and we're praying totally opposite things. And hopefully he would say no to, as hard as it is to say, my, the, 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 the picnic prayer and to answer that prayer. There's, just, there's a lot of other things I think if we talked about it. Um, but a famous pastor once said this, if the request is wrong, God says no. If you are wrong, God says grow. I think a lot of times the things we ask for settle us more into maybe our sin or unhealthy patterns or maybe it's connected to idolatry and a lot of times even when he's saying no it's because he knows that I need to grow and by giving me that thing it won't lead to growth Um, there are famous no prayers in the Bible a lot of the Old Testament prophets were told in Matthew 13 and 1 Peter 1 they longed to see the Messiah but they were all told no James and John's request to rain down fire on the Samaritan village, thankfully for them, Jesus said no to that one. James and John's mother's request that they be number one and number two in the kingdom. Uh, He didn't say an outright no, but his answer kind of indicated, I think, that that was a no. Paul's desire to take the gospel east from Asia Minor. In Acts 16, God gave him a no and ended up calling him in the opposite direction to, to go west into Western Europe. Paul's request, we know, for the removal of a thorn of flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. Prayed three times. Each time was answered with a a resounding no. But that no was followed by, I think, an important thing to remember in all the no's that we get where God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Even though I say no, I'm enough. I'm enough. But I think the most famous no answer in the Bible is in Matthew 26 where Jesus asked for something. He asked that the cup of suffering be taken away. And to him, the Father said, what? No. Said no. The greatest no of the Bible. So Jesus even understands me in my receiving of a no to an answer of prayer. He understands that. Pat actually said something very profound about that that I'd never thought of. She said, because when he asked for the cup removed, she said he also prayed. He says, nevertheless, your will be done and not mine. And to that, the father said, what? Yes. And she said, any prayer prayed. Father, this is what I want, but your will be done. She said that the answer to every prayer like that is always going to be a, is always going to be a yes. So I had never thought of that. Baby Pat should be up here doing this. Um, Okay, so our first two is God will say yes. He'll say no. And what the word to make it more more memorable that rhymes with no is what? He'll give us a a go or a no. Okay, and the third answer is wait. Where God will say yes, I want to give that to you, but not now. The timing is not right. There are times that children ask for things and the timing is not right. It's not good at that time. In such case, the parent will say, no, not right now. 
Not right now, because the parent knows there's a better time. And again, at which a child replies, but I thought you, you loved me, right? I remember um, a time I was with a family in Wichita. We loved to get away to Wichita occasionally, and when we did, we always went to the big Barnes & Noble bookstore because we're a book-loving family, and we'd go sit there for hours with books in our hands and talk and, and read books for free. Um, and Carissa, this one particular year, we always went at the end of August because the big student rush had come. I was usually tired from a busy August, so the weekend of uh, Labor Day, we would take a weekend and go to, to Wichita just to get away. And so we were there, we were at the Barnes & Noble, and Carissa had actually asked me like three months before for a particular book that she wanted. And I had taken note of that, and had actually talked to Pat, and we had actually bought it for her off Amazon, and had it, and we got it, and we actually were intending to give it to her for her birthday. So we wrapped it, and then we stuck it in the place where I hid all of their gifts, the one place I knew they would never go, my sock drawer. Other things are in my sock drawer, but trust me, the kids will never go there. Um, anyways, we already had it there. We're in Wichita in the Barnes & Noble, and Carissa came up to me with that book in her hand, and because she probably thought I hadn't heard that or something, but or she had forgotten, I don't know, but she said, Dad, can you buy this for me today? And I looked at her and I said... I didn't even say wait, because that would have ruined the surprise. I, what I said was no, but the answer behind my no was a wait. And she just walked, she, you know, her shoulders went down and she walked off. And it was almost heartbreaking, you know, when you're a dad that wants to be generous. But I also knew what was coming. Her, her birthday was a month later, the end of September. And as a parent, there's some moments you never forget. I still to this day remember when she opened that gift and her face lit up. It meant so much more for her on that day than it would have been in August, right? She was old enough that she said, Dad, you already had that, didn't you? And I said, I did. And I said, that no was really a wait because I knew there was a better time. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he's made everything beautiful in his time. God's time is always best. We want things now, don't we? I do all the time when I want something, even as an adult. You know, I'll tell my kids, like, you always want things now. This is when they were younger, you know. But then I ask God for something, and I want it now because it's human nature. But I have been learning slowly over time that God many times says, wait because I have a much better time than you can imagine. So hang in there. So many times his answer to us is wait. Zechariah had a long wait. Abraham, David, Moses, they all had waits of years and years and years before a prayer was answered. So let me see. The four things God says, if we use the normal words, one answer to our prayer is what? Yes, then no, then what we just talk about? wait, and if we want them to rhyme, we say, go, no, and this one is slow. God will say, slow down, or, 
Or a lot of times we don't get any answer. We think there's no answer, but what he's essentially saying to us is, is slow down, I have the right timing. Fourth one, the last answer that God gives us, um, it's another answer that good, good parents give. And so let me set it up first, if I may. Um, sometimes I would say to my children, no. They would ask for something, and I was going to give them. They were really in the ballpark, and I was actually going to give it, and they didn't know it, but I said no because what I had was better than what they had in their mind. What I had in mind was better. Um, there was a... Because <laughs> do you guys... How many of you were here when the Hastings Bookstore was in the mall? Do you guys remember the Hastings Bookstore? Um, that was such a godsend to Emporia because we used to just have the town crier, which wasn't a good place to take kids on Friday night. It wasn't even on Friday night. But we'd go almost every Friday to Hastings, take the children there, and they'd get books, and we'd sit in the coffee area, and we'd play games, and we'd read books. Um, and they just loved doing that. And it kind of became a family habit. And on a Friday, if we started heading that way, they knew that's where we were going. And even if they knew, they would still ask. And so this one particular Friday, nobody knew, but I was kidnapping the family for the weekend, and we were going to go to Wichita. And I had actually packed stuff for them, clothes, even for my wife. I, she probably didn't match that weekend. I don't remember. But nobody knew. I had stuff in the back of the van. And so we got in the van. I didn't say where. I just said, hey, let's go somewhere. And so we went, we, I went the route we would take to go to Hastings. So we're driving down Industrial, and the kids all got excited. Dad, Dad, can we go to Hastings? And I said, uh, I said, no, I don't think so. Not tonight. And they're like, oh, you know, don't you love us, right? <laughs> and, but we, so we drove by, and then I went over the, turn, the, the highway, and then I turned left again on, and as soon as I did that, they knew what I was doing. Dad, are you taking us to Wichita? And I'm like, yes, we're going to Wichita. And does that mean... Barnes and Noble? I'm like, yes. They're like, who cares about Hastings when we can have Barnes and Noble? So my no was a no, was a no like, I've got that thing you've asked for. No to that because I've got something much better in mind in that same category I'm going to give you. And so the word for this is, is I've got a lot more or to really rhyme, I've got to take off the R-E so it's mo, M-O apostrophe. So I got mo for you. So we went to Wichita, and we had a great time. So I said no, but in saying no, what I was really saying is, is I've got Mo for you. Um, all my relatives from Texas, do they say Mo down there? I'm trying to remember if that's how they talk. Um, but a lot of times I would also say, yes, I'm going to give you the thing asked for. But I even had in mind there was even a bigger thing to that. And like I would give them Mo than they expected. Like even the thing they wanted, they'd get, but they would get Mo around it. And if you're a parent, you've done that. Um, I can think of two examples in the Bible from each one. I can think of a good no but Mo. Um, was the request of Mary and Martha for Jesus to come to Bethany and heal their brother Lazarus who was sick and who was dying. And to that, Jesus essentially, by waiting and not going, said no, and he died. But in that no, he was really saying, I have got for you and your family something much, much mo, right? Um, I've heard somebody say this, which testimony would you rather have if you're Lazarus? Hey, 
I'm one of a thousand dudes that Jesus healed. Or, I died and Jesus rose me from the dead. Which testimony would you rather have? Yeah, by saying no and delaying, what he was really saying is, there's something much more that I have for you, something much more that you can't even imagine. And the, the positive example, I think, is the paralyzed man found in Mark 2, where four of his friends bring him to be healed. And they're bringing him to be healed of paralysis. And does Jesus give him the thing that they were seeking? Does he heal him of his paralysis? He does. He says yes, but did he not also give them more? Because when they first lowered him, the very first thing he said before he even dealt with his physical condition is he looked at the man and he said, your sins are forgiven. And they came that day only expecting healing and they got, he got healing in a relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? So he got, he got a yes, but he got, he got the more attached to it. Something much greater than he ever expected. Henry Blackaby his experiencing God Bible study, one of the best things I've ever read. It's profound. Here's what he said about that story. Have you ever prayed for one thing and got another? I have. Then some dear soul would say, God is trying to get you to persist. Keep on praying until you get what you want. During one of those times, I kept asking God in one direction, and I kept getting something else. In the middle of that experience, I started reading from the second chapter of Mark in my quiet time. That's the story of the four men who brought the crippled friend to Jesus to be healed. Because of the crowd, they opened a hole in the roof and let the man down in front of Jesus. Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. I started to read on, but I sensed the Holy Spirit of God say, Henry, did you see that? So I went back and I began to meditate on that scripture. And under the guiding, teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, I began to see a wonderful truth. The four men were asking Jesus to heal the man but Jesus forgave the man's sins. Why? They asked for one thing, Jesus gave another. This man and his friends asked for a particular gift, but Jesus wanted to make the man a child of God so he could inherit everything. I found myself weeping before God and saying, Oh God, if I ever give you a request and you have more to give me than I am asking, cancel my request. Isn't that powerful? If I ask you for something and you want to give me much more than what I'm asking, would you please cancel my request? So, I think at the heart of every good parent is this desire for the long-term well-being and health of their child. They want to see them flourish. And that's why a good parent will never say yes to every request they get. Never. Never. A good parent will not say yes to everything. Our good and loving, loving Father, as long as we are on this earth and there's still brokenness in our own hearts and we ask for wrong things a lot, amiss, I think, is what the King James used to say, ask amiss, he'll never say yes to everything because he cares more deeply about us than even we do. And so he answers every prayer, but there's four different answers, just like any good parent, right? And if we use the normal words, the, the norm, his four answers would be yes, what's this one? No, wait, or I don't know, I've got something a lot better. But if we do the rhyming words, it is, what's the first one? Go, no, slow, mo. You guys need to go to grammar school again because your pronunciation is horrible. You're dropping off the ends of words. So help all the kids learn. You don't drop off the ends of words, okay? That's not a good example. That's always his answer because that's his heart. 
That is the heart of God. I think, by the way, I forgot to tell you guys about the football. If you were here last week, you know. This may seem really basic to you, but I still think basics are important things. Um, after losing a football game to a much a minor t- a team they shouldn't have lost to, Vince Lombardi the next day with the football team held up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. We're going back to the basics. And he started them with, he said, you got to learn what a football is. You got to learn how to block. You got to learn how to tackle because we failed at the basics. So this may be really basic to you. And it may be like, that was so simple. Like what are, but I still think it's good to be reminded of basics. So even myself, sometimes I forget. And all I want to my request, I want yeses all the time. And I have to remind myself, God's a good father. And sometimes he says, yes, Sometimes go, sometimes no, sometimes he says Garen slow, and sometimes he says mo. And so, all right, next week we're going to come back to that waiting prayer because I think that is the hardest prayer of all, when, when God has us wait. Again, David waited nearly 15 years, Abraham 25, Moses 40, to things they were asking for. And so we're going to come back to that. But in all of it, whether it's a, it's a go, a no, a slow, or a mo. My challenge is to myself and to all of us is always when you cannot see God's hand, trust his heart as a good father, okay? And whatever answer you're receiving when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Let me pray. Father, uh, I don't often do this. I always thank you for the yeses. Uh, Not very often do I come back and thank you for a no, but thank you for the no's that you give to a lot of our prayers because you know the reality is is those things are not good for us. So thank you for the no's. And I never like when you tell me to slow, but I've learned so many times that your timing is perfect and right and just like with my own children, that you you just know a better time. So thank you for the slow. And thank you so much for the mo. All the things in our life, the more that you want to give us that I can't even imagine uh, that you long to give us. So we thank you and we trust your heart in all four of those answers to our prayers because we know you're a good, good father. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who, through a no, still trusted you and showed us to trust you in all things. And we pray in his name, amen. Father, thank you for that reality that your mercies are new every morning, that your faithfulness is great, that through all the yes, the go, the no, the slow, the mo, that in all of those things, your faithfulness is always there, your goodness is always there. Help us to trust in that. I pray in your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, please, we're really, really wanting to get prayer deeper into our body. Get on the, that boiler room prayer tab on the website, click on the calendar, pick a, pick a one time a week that you can pray, put your name on there, get out your phone, set an alarm, even if it's just for 10 minutes. You're praying for your needs, you're asking, seeking, knocking, praying for this body. We just want to become a people. The prayer more and more is giving power to everything we do. We, as a body, need your prayers. Our nation needs our prayers. So let's please do that. And as in every week, you are sent.